0: Take your Bibles. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number six. If you're worried about Zach's feelings and how he feels, don't. I'm not. <laughs> Although I'm a little nervous this this morning, my niece uh, Kim's and my niece is going to Pensacola Christian College, and uh, in in the fall or next this month, I guess two weeks, and uh, and I did ask Zach for his phone number. In case she needed something. And then I thought, that was a very dumb move on my part. <laughs> you know, we believe in the, the laws of reaping and sowing. I'm just hoping I've sown grace and received grace. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6 is where I began this morning. It is an honor, no small honor in fact, to be included in this weekend's activities with Brother Aaron Davies. I am grateful for the calling God's placed on his life. I too have seen his calling. You've seen his calling. You know God is using him. And tonight's, uh, we, in our movement, we don't do a whole lot of formal stuff. This is like, for us to get to formal, it's something like this. And if you've never seen an ordination service, I encourage you to be here. This is not the first day for Brother Aaron, rather, it's a culmination of days. The world says that you need 10,000 days to be really good at something. And then at that point, you really excel at your craft. I believe Brother Aaron, I don't know his count of days, but 10,000 days is a long time. But it does this, is you can see his heart, you can see his family, you can see his calling, and you felt his expression of his calling in your life as well. So I'm glad I get to be a part of it. You say, well, what is a charge to the candidate? Because that's what I'm doing tonight. It's finishing all the sermons I didn't finish for the day. It's that. No, it's an opportunity to preach directly to the church, a charge to the church, a charge to the candidate, some things for him to know. And it's just a special thing to say, I was there at your ordination. I just was with a preacher who is my senior this week, and he told me, and this will mean a lot to you, Pastor. He said, everyone on my ordination certificate is dead. And he said, that's the last guy. I said, well, it's not looking good for him. But, <laughs> but he, said, he said that uh, it meant so much. Those people who are on your ordination council, they mean a lot to you because they came... And said, yeah, I see the calling in you. I see what that is. So I want you to come tonight and be a part of that as well. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you haven't found it now, just fake it. It'll be fine. It is the fifth book of the Old Testament. And you all are going to have to practice laughing. Because if you're not going to get this humor, we're not going to go very far today at all. Wow. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I read the entire chapter this morning. Deuteronomy 6 is a summary of what God intends for every family that is going to raise godly kids in the heathen world. The whole script of what we do is here. I gave this morning six things. Zach got five of them, abbreviated one of them, but whatever. Zach, what are the six things that godly parents need I'm going as slow as I can for you to find the envelope on which he scribbled it afterward. (laughs) I'm used to the abuse. Please, go ahead. What are the six things every family has to have according to God? Regard Scripture. scripture. We'll go with that. That's good. Fear God, maybe? The second one? Yeah, that's a good call. Fear God. What would be the third one? Can you read that one? Love, Love God. Yeah, the fear one you messed up. I'm going to focus on that in just a minute. Number four? Do right. Do right. Because I said practice righteousness, and I realized it was too many letters for a college student to write down, so I just abbreviated it. Do right. Number five? Ah, that's the one that gets me every time. It makes me yearn for slow death every time I hear someone say, uh, or um, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Remember God number six. Trained disciples. disciples. You said it so hesitantly as if, did I get that right? Four out of five, it's like 80%. There's your grade. Everything you want to raise your kids by is here in the word of God. We live in a heathen culture. If you don't know that, open your door. We live in a heathen culture. Everything from gender dysphoria to blatant disregard for the Word of God. And every point in between. People who do not believe that it's wrong to live together. People who believe that they can live in any way. They can treat children any way disregard government in any way and live with absolute recklessness as if there rose a generation that did not know God but God did not leave us without a design or a blueprint one of the slides that scrolled on the screen earlier is a projected image is that like for reals or just pretends the building one that, that's for real. Okay. It's like, man, that's where in the world is that all going to fit? But I'm for it. Put it right there. Where they put the, in the field? Yep. Best day ever. Wow, that's great. I looked at that and I thought, that's the design. Somebody looked at that and said, yep, that's what we want. If you're wondering what to do about your family, yep, yep that's what he wanted. Amen. It's whether you're on board or not. You say, well, don't you have a nicer way to say that? No. Either you're going to run your family by the Word of God, or you're not. And it's hypocrisy to tell your children, well, we love God and we do what the Bible says when it fits us. Either we're all in or not. And if we're not all in, get in. I, I sat here yesterday during the ordination council and I... I looked over at Mr. Davies. There were several of them in the room. But I looked over at Mr. Davies, the one who led in prayer. And I looked at him as a dad. I don't see where... There you are, sir. It took me all the way back to my own ordination a long time ago. And in the room was my dad. And my heart just swelled for you to realize... The kid who couldn't even keep his diaper on is now the guy going to be a preacher, right? It's like, what in the world, right? The kid, the kid who can't use a spoon like Isaac, right? He's like, I, I don't even know how to use a spoon. And, and now he's sitting there being examined by a panel of his peers to know if he knows what he's written down that he believes. It has to do something for your heart. You know what it told me? As I sat there and reflected this morning on the message God had for me today. Was to say, it pays. It pays to raise godly kids in a godly world. In a godless world. It pays to raise our kids around the principles of the word of God. If we're not doing that, we are going ahead and signing over our children to the destruction of humanity. To say, I just don't care. I don't have the fight in me anymore. My parents were strict fundamentalists and I'm just not going to be that. And then all of a sudden you take your hands off and your grandchildren end up in a course that is almost irretrievable to get them. And you say, well, I don't know what went wrong. I'll tell you what went wrong. You stopped following the design. Does that mean that Mr. Davies was perfect? No. Why? How? Because he produced the sinners. when you put two sinners together, they make little sinners. Right. Then we just ordained a little sinner yesterday, or formally tonight we will do so, or recommend to the church we do so. You say, "Well, is there hope there is if you follow the blueprint? If you're running to the bookstore or clicking on Amazon and you're trying to find the next book on how to do essential parenting or you're trying to find hippie parenting, you're trying to find some kind of parenting to say, that's our genre of parenting, that's what we want. We want free spirit parenting. We want no consequence parenting. You do all those things and you will end up back here either in misery thinking about what we should have done Or you'll say, I did everything according to this blueprint. The six things, though weakly given by Zach, the first one was regard Scripture. Verse one we are told to know God's Word. Verse 1, we're told to do God's Word. Verse 6, we're told to value God's Word. If you look back in verse number 6, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. This means we're to treasure or value God's Word. Verse 7 tells me I'm to speak of God's Word. Verse 8 tells me we're to display God's Word. This is where we were finishing up in Sunday school. If you're thinking, if he's going that fast, I'll never be able to keep up. By the tape from, by the tape. How old school is that? They have an 8 track back there. Just try to get that if you can, kids. Was it recorded? It was Sunday school? It was. Wait, 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 go. No, you did it? It wasn't even you. You were here. Who, well, hopefully the other team. Oh, the upper law. Oh, Foster. Yeah. I'll get back to you. Verse 7, get the recording from this morning. Speak God's Word, verse 7. Verse 8, display God's Word. Put it up in your house. Let your kids see it. If you walked into your children's bedrooms now and you walked around, what posters do they have on the wall? What are the creatures, the idols that they have? You say, well, my kid doesn't bow to idols. They have something to which they've drawn their attention. And whether it's the God of Lego or the God of sport or the God of some other academic pursuit, no matter what it is, if you're letting your kids have other things on the wall than the Word of God. I'm not saying skip the others. I'm just saying make sure God gets a place too if He's that important. And that was almost a passive-aggressive guilt statement, which is rare for me, but please appreciate it for what it was. You didn't get it. Never mind. <laughs> Number seven verse 17. The, the sixth or seventh, the sixth thing we do with the Word of God is found in verse 17. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes which He hath commanded thee. Our job is to keep as a sentinel, keep as a military person would, to keep watch over God's Word. If I am regarding Scripture in my home, I'm going to know God's Word, do God's Word, value God's Word, speak God's Word, display God's Word, And absolutely value it and speak it. That's what I'm supposed to do according to these verses. Here's the second thing. I have six, so I have no idea how far we'll go. In my heart, I've purposed to get all six in. I don't think we're going to make it, but I've purposed that way. Look with me. The second point is this. Zach, what's the second point? The point you couldn't read earlier. Fear God. God. What does it mean to fear God? Go back to verse 2. That thou mightest Fear the Lord thy God. You say, well, fear, that's to be terrified or scared of something. But what if fear meant something different? In our home, my mother and father actually thought they were in charge of the house. It was quite a concept for them. It was quite a reality for us kids. We didn't know that other kids went to negotiate with their parents. We just were told, I said it, that's what you have to do. So, well, it's different now, and it shows. It does show. If we lived with fear of our parents, it meant we respected them. I never walked into my parents' home and said, hi, John and Barbara, how are you? That was their first names. Could, you're laughing, sir. They're in the plaid shirt about halfway back by the beam. How would that have played out at your house? Don't backhand. Backhand. <laughs> they just hold it up? No. It swings, right. And then somewhere in the next zip code, you pick yourself up. <laughs> say, say, oh, we don't do that with our children anymore. I know, It shows. Fearing our parents meant there's a respect. In a courtroom, for those of you who've either been there to witness or those who've participated in the process, whatever your story, you get there, the judge is there, they say, most cases they say, all rise. Why do you stand up? Well, I'm not standing up. I don't, feel, I don't stand up for anybody. I'm not going to do that. That's probably what determines which chair you're sitting in, by the way. No, you stand because of a fear or a respect. You say, I don't fear anybody. All right, you're going down I-81 at 110 miles an hour. There's a police officer in the median. Let's talk about fear. Say, well, of course, I'm, I don't want a ticket. God said, just want fear. That's all I want. I want such a healthy dose of respect for me in your home that your kids will listen to what I have to say. Kim and I have a friend, friends, and they raised two daughters. Rhonda told Kim one time, she said, I'm never, we've purpose in our heart never to yell at our girls. Some of you are thinking, how do you have a house with nobody yelling? What is that like? But they said, we will never yell at our girls. Kim inquired, and I mean, we supported it. It's, great. it's a great thought. It's a great pursuit. But why, Kim asked Rhonda, why why did you purpose not to yell at your girls? They said, well, when it came to God speaking to them, we didn't want God to to have a loud voice to get their attention. We wanted to train them to listen with a still, small voice. Fear. A fear of God. He said, I want your kids to fear me. What does it mean to fear? Verse 2, we keep God's Word. What you have to realize, there's a direct relationship to the amount of regard for the Word of God to the amount of fear that we have. And there's a direct proportion to the amount of fear of God we have to how much regarding we're of God's word we are doing the more I'm in God's word the more I fear him the more you put your kids in his word the more they'll fear him you say well brother O'Malley I just can't sit around reading the Bible to them I know they've got their devices that they're playing with and they've got their favorite thing on YouTube that they watch and I know they've got their other sport things and I know you can't sit around and read the Bible to them Is that the one you want to go down there? Do you have another excuse that you want to use? Because the reality is, the more that we put our kids in the Word of God, the more fear they'll have. And He said, On my blueprint for your family, regard Scripture, fear me. Look at verse 13. Fearing God means we worship and serve Him. Notice what it says. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shalt swear by His name. When I fear God, I keep His Word. When I fear God, I worship Him. What does it mean to worship Him? You sat in here a few minutes ago when the song was sung. When the choir sang, I wasn't singing with the choir. I was reading the words on the screen, but my heart felt like it was worshiping. It was like they're telling God the stuff that's in my heart. They're telling God what's important to me. I agree with that. Maybe you clapped your hand. Maybe you raised your hand. Maybe you said amen. But whatever it is, give God worship because that you will worship who you fear. I'm in a phase of my life. I don't fear anybody. God has a way of getting you out of that and gets you low enough where you look up and say, I choose God. In verse number 14 and 15, ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord be kindled against thee to destroy and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Fearing God means I follow God. So, well, no, none of my other friends, mom, none of my other friends, dad, they don't follow God. They don't go to church. They don't do that. And you say, at our house, we chose God. God is who we worship. God is whom we fear. God is who we follow. That we pursue the things of God. You say, well, they don't do it that way. We're not other families. We do it God's way. We do Regard Scripture. We fear God. How do we fear God? Verse 2, we keep God's Word. Verse 13, we worship and serve God. Verse 14 15, we follow God. Verse 16, we believe God. And ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted in Massah. This was a, a location, a place where something tragic took place because of the fact they did not fear God, but rather they tempted Him. Don't tempt him. Follow him. Fear him. Why won't I commit adultery? One, my wife would kill me. She's here. Two, higher than that, God said no. Three, I have a child, I have a daughter in law. Four, well, that. Five, actually. Five. In January, we're going to have a grandchild. My sin will not just affect me. Neither will yours be sinned in a silo. That your sin will affect many. That you will hurt people in the congregation. You will hurt people in the family. And so why we don't do stuff, and I pulled out a big one. But why don't we gossip? Why don't we steal? Why don't we cheat? Why don't we lie? Why don't we do things? I fear God. Stop fearing God. You'll behave any any way you want. And if you don't pass on a fear of God to your children, what are they going to give your grandbabies? Fear God. Number three, dare I try. Look at verse number five. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Teach your family to love God. I show my love for God when I do His commandments. I show my love for God when we create a culture of love within our home. We show This love that we have for God by practicing our faith commitments in the home. My duty is to love and I am to teach my children to love. And I am to teach grandchildren to love. And I am to teach you to love. And you're to teach your people to love. Why? Because this is what God expects. There is enough hatred out in this world. There's enough selfishness which says... Go out there. Live for yourself. Make a name for yourself. What your parents say don't matter. What your teachers say don't matter. What society says doesn't matter. Do your own thing. And God said, could you bring them back in here and create an embassy of heaven here in this home and in this home, regard scripture, fear God, and love each other. Amen. The world is mean. The world is wicked. It is a terrible place to raise a child. I saw a three-month-old. Where was the three-month-old? There you go. What's the baby's name? I'm distracted. I didn't take my medication. Just work with me. It'll be fine. Oliver. And Oliver's three months. Right? Okay. Mom and dad are back here. It's ugly in the world. It's brave enough just to bring kids into it. But God's commanded us. In your home, Oliver's mom and dad, create a culture of love. You two love each other. And you brought this fellow into the world. Are there others in the clan, or is this the first? A six-year-old. What's his name? T? Aaron. Terrence. Ter- Terrence, sorry. Be kind to the deaf and we who wear hearing aids. We don't get every consonant. But be kind to us. Mean we, we mean well. Terrence and Oliver live in this world. And at your house... If you don't have heaven's culture there, how are they going to make it? You can't, you just can't keep, I'm not talking to you per se, but you just can't keep going out buying the next book and the next book and the next book, hoping for a better answer. It's right there. The only hope for Terence and Oliver is the blueprint. In your home, regard Scripture. In your home, fear God. In your home, create a culture of love that is there. Why? Because love influences every relationship we have every responsibility that we take on every reaction that we give every testimony that we have that in that home that when Oliver comes home from school in days to come and Terrence comes home from school and he runs in and says mama, mama, daddy I'm home from school that that place he's he's crossed the threshold into the embassy of heaven and everything inside of that house Looks like God designed it. That's the kind of home we want to have. The world says, do everything else. And God said, I gave you the blueprint. Oh, preacher, I don't understand. Why are our homes a mess? Well, let's look at the blueprint. Where did you get out of code here? Because if we're not regarding Scripture and we're not fearing God, verse 5, and we're not loving God with everything we have, how on earth do we expect to have godly homes in a godless world? Kim and I raised one son, John. Years ago, I remember sitting down at a coffee shop with these young parents they're just starting their family about. Reminds me of you all. And... Uh, They sat down and they said, oh, we've watched your son John and, oh, we just want to raise a kid like, and I just said, stop. If you saw him on a good day, we rejoice in that. That's all we'll give him credit for is you caught him on a good day. Say, but no, 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 we wanted to, we, we came here, we're ready, we want to take down all the rules that you followed to raise John. I thought, wow, we were never really big on rules. So I was thinking, what do I say? Because these people legitimately, they bought me coffee. I'm obligated to say something wise. <laughs> so I said, pass the Creamer, never mind. So <laughs> and I and maybe a full minute, I'm just sitting there thinking, what were our rules? Where's Kim when I need her? She was not with me. And I was like, oh my word. And I said, okay, here's, here's our two rules. It's like, two? I said, yeah, two. I think we taught John to love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And everything else fell under that. And the next thing we tried was to say, try to love everybody as much as you love yourself. They said, well, Brother O'Malley, we we wanted to know, like, what was curfew? And and what was the dress standard? And what was all of this? And, And what did he have to say here? And what did he have to do there? And I said, I think everything gets filtered right here. Teach your kids to love God with everything they have. And then teach them to love everybody else as much as they love themselves. And everything else will work out. Curfews get fixed because you're not going to want to be out late if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're not going to pick bad friends if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're not going to be found in a place that you ought not to be, that you'd be embarrassed if your parents found you no less your preacher if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Preacher, for some reason today, I'm fixated on the family today yeah. because families produce the next generation of leaders. Yeah. Doesn't have to be preachers, leaders. all the convenience of modern thought if dare we call it that but all the convenience of modern thought says there's always there's been a better way all the way along and our generation owns it how arrogant that you think that your generation showed up with the answers no regard scripture fear god love god Do right because Zach wants it simpler. Verse 18, God expects righteous behavior. God rewards righteous behavior. Verse 19 through verse 25 says, remember God, His Word, where He brought us, how He's provided for us, how He's protected us. And the last one, is train disciples. Your job is to love your kids To bring them to Christ, to train them up for God, to instruct them in God's word, to tell them of God's judgment, to tell them of God's miracles, to tell them to obey God, to bless them, to pity them, to provide for them, to rule over them, to correct them, but yet not provoke them, and not to allow them to make unholy connections. These are the responsibilities of parents to children. Would you stand with me?